All right, guys, I'm back. Um, I was gone for a little bit. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, I've been in the UAE a lot, and a lot of the uh, programs like Skype and uh, FaceTime and all these video uh, programs are, are banned in the UAE, so I couldn't do as many podcasts. But I have a great podcast with Dan Bilzerian, um, and we dig into his new book that's coming out. It's actually on sale right now, I think. It's it's either pre-sell or it's actually uh, shipping. Uh, we spend two hours uh, which started in a, a jacuzzi on my roof here <laughs> in a nice bath. So you got to check that out. Um, how many people uh, shared a jacuzzi with Dan Bilzerian filled with ice? Um, but we dig into his book, and uh, I, I want to give a quick review on that and say that, you know, he explains a lot. So there's a lot of controversy with Dan, and there's a lot of people that, that hate on him for certain things. Um, if you are interested in, in Dan and his life, I think you should definitely check out this book um, between the vignettes and, and all the people that's, that's came in and, and uh, gave their opinion on certain parts of his life and certain things that he's done. Uh, I think it's going to explain a lot of stuff that, that, that's created this controversy that's based on basically just opinions of people. Um, you know, he's a friend of mine, so obviously I'm biased a little bit, but, um, you know, I see him getting beat up for things that I know aren't true. And, and I, his book is it covers it you know he pulls no punches and uh you know on himself and on anybody else it's going to be shocking and it's going to cause some controversy and there's going to be some there's definitely going to be some headlines uh when his book comes out and, and certain celebrities and people read it for sure um but uh we we dig into his book in the last podcast so make sure and check it out and it's two straight hours with dan bilzerian so you can't get better than that i mean there's he's an interesting interesting guy and uh we went from here to the Maldives and we did some diving and we went to the UAE and, um, you know, so anyway, I'm back and uh, we're starting a new fresh month here in October. We got a lot of great podcasts. So click that subscribe button, uh, click the like button. And yes, this is an official podcast, which means you can win a prize. The, n the number one comment that we pick on this podcast will win a prize. Every podcast that we post, you will win a prize. Um, a gift bag from AK Thailand in the podcast, a little swag bag. Um, we'll pick one person to win that swag bag. And then the winner will also be put into a drawing for the end of the month. Um, and, and since this month has only had three podcasts, you got a great chance of winning. Um, usually we do 10 podcasts a month. So I would say leave a, a nice comment and, and try and, and, and not necessarily nice. It can be, uh, you can be a critique con comment or a constructive criticism comment or just a nice comment, whatever you want. Uh, we randomly pick. Um, but you'll get, you know, if you win this, uh, at least minimally, a, a, a swag bag from AK Thailand. And you can also be entered in to win the, the, the all expense paid trip to AK Thailand. Every single month, I'm flying somebody from America to Thailand. I'm literally buying their plane ticket. Uh, not let's say America, I'm sorry, from anywhere in the world. I don't know why I said America. That's our biggest audience. But I'm flying somebody from anywhere in the world. One of the people that won uh, one of the podcast contests throughout the month is put into a group. And then we're going to pick one of those winners. So it's going to be like uh, the grand prize. Um, and I'm going to fly you from your country and pay for your airfare. We're going to pick you up at the airport and, and pay for your transfer. We're going to cover your training. We're going to cover your accommodation so you can have housing for a month uh, covered. We're going to cover your food at my restaurant for an entire month. Uh, All-inclusive training. We're going to give you some swag. And all this is on me. You literally don't have to pay anything except what you want to spend on your own. We do this every single month on this podcast. So leave comments. Uh, you're, you're bound to win eventually. Um, and, uh, the more comments you leave and, and not on the same one, don't, don't flood us, but the more comments you leave on each podcast, uh, and the more people respond and the more that, that we think it's, uh, uh, a winning comment, we'll, uh, we'll pick you. So anyway, I'm going to quit talking and get to Damian Maya, a true legend of the sport. And I'm so happy and excited to talk to him. So let's get started. All right, Damian Maya, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mike. It's a great pleasure to be talking to you. Man, it's a pleasure to talk to you, legend. Jesus, man, you've 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 done everything there is to do in the sport, almost, and uh, and and one of the best grapplers to ever be in the sport. And it's it's an honor to finally talk to you on here. Yeah, you know, it's a pleasure also to talk to a guy who is a colleague. You know, who was, you know, feeling the same thing that I was feeling when I when I'm, you know, I was there and and have the same understanding of the game that sometimes if you outside of that you know you're not a coach or a fighter or a guy who is really involved on in that you really you know miss a lot of stuff and when you talk with somebody who was there you know living that life it's it's very interesting 
Yeah, I, I love it. This is why I love this channel, you know, especially talking to everybody that's been in the sport um, and that fights in the sport. And, uh -huh. and yeah, it's great. So so what's new with you? Um, you you've obviously, uh, I heard some rumors you're calling out possibly Cerrone, Diaz. What, what's going on? Is there anything happening? Yeah, actually, you know, my, my last my last fight was the last one in my contract. And my plan was to, to retire in MMA after that and do some jujitsu fights because I got some invitations. But because all this pandemic stuff, all these crazy times that we live lately, I think, you know, I, I wanted to do one more because I couldn't really uh, be training like I, I would like to do, you know, last year. Yeah. And so I, I said, okay, let's do one more. And Cerrone would be great. And and Nate, you know, he asked about a fight after after his last fight also. And it was the same day that I fought. And, you know, I said it was a great fight. Uh, and I, I some people are talking about Nick Diaz now. So, you know, depends just on the UFC. It's no secret that I want to do one more fight. And and then it will be the, the last because I want to, you know, I want to also do some jiu-jitsu fights. It's something that really interesting me. And, and for now... I'm focused on my, my new gym in Brazil, my new academy, cool. and also just releasing a, a, a BJJ Fanatic's uh, uh, instructional video about back control, and, cool. and you know, I will keep going with that. I want to do back submission, back transition, and, and do a complete uh, back system. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I want to get into that a little bit later, too. Um, but as far as the Cerrone versus Diaz, uh, um, what do you see happening in those fights if you do get those fights? And then is there anyone else that you're interested in fighting? Is there any other names in the back of your head that you would like to have? Obviously, you want one more fight. This is going to be your big last, you know, MMA fight of your career. Do you have a preference of, of somebody mm -hmm. that maybe not is listed or, or not has been spoken of? Like a dream, like a dream last fight. No, I think it's, it's Diaz, you know, Nate or Nick and, and Cerrone would be amazing because they are great names, you yeah. know, uh, uh, and it's nice to do uh, a big fight when you when you want to finish your career. So I think that's the names that I'm, I'm thinking right now. And are you training hard? Are you still training right now as if you're you're going to compete again? Yes. Yes, yeah, I'm training regularly. Of course, I, I'm not doing like I'm in a camp, but I'm doing like pretty much twice a day. Some days I do just one, but maybe, you know, sometimes Thursday I do just one training. But uh, like yesterday I did uh, jiu-jitsu, no-gi jiu-jitsu, and I did some MMA later on, like uh, strike with takedowns. Today I already did boxing and I will do some weights. Tomorrow I will do the same as Monday. Then Thursday I will do. Then uh, what I did different now. I'm a couple days a week, couple uh, trains a week. I'm doing some git training to come back on on track of the git training because I wanna you know maybe do some competition no gi but also do one one with gi. So I'm doing couple week. Uh, that's the main difference. Uh, the the gi training. So normally Thursday and and Friday and also you know. I, I keep doing my weights twice a week and keep doing my, my boxing, keep doing my, especially, I think the, the striking with the takedowns is something that I, I, I keep doing twice a week because even I'm not really sparring, like, but it's, it's a kind of sparring, you know, it's just not too much sparring on the ground, but the most important thing for me is this timing about how, when and how to take my opponent down. And so, Yesterday, for instance, I was trained with uh, a karate kid in my school. He's he's a great, you know, kid, and and it's interesting because he moves pretty well. You know, he's yeah. always you know uh, moving away, and he been trained with me a lot, and he he he's, he's getting good on defending takedown. So it's a it's a good challenge for me. He's a bit a bit lighter than I'm. But it's, it's a good training for this time because he's fast and he's quick. He's, he trains karate since he's like four years old. His father is a karate teacher and he's good in jiu-jitsu too. And as he been training a lot with me, he learned how to defend takedowns. So he moves away, he moves well. It's hard to get on him. And even when you get now, it's not easy to take him down. So, you know, yeah. this kind of training, I think it's, it's very important to keep, you know, live in my, in my conditioning. 
Let me ask you, um, when you get into a fight camp, like you actually have an opponent and, and you're fighting or you're training for an actual fight, I like to ask guys of your level and of your mm -hmm. experience, um, most of them less than your experience, um, I like to ask what, what your fight camp is like. Like what, what, what generally do you do throughout the week as far as like how much time do you spend? Obviously, you're a predominant grappler, but how much time do you spend grappling, uh, just regular grappling, grappling with strikes, sparring, uh, strength mm -hmm. training, conditioning mm -hmm. training? What is your normal routine just so people that are up and coming can, can see how you train your fight camps? Yeah, normally it's twice a day. We train Saturday, just do one train. And normally, in my case, because I'm grappling, you know, I'm a grappler. The main train of the day is normally a grappling train. So it can be with strikes or without strikes. Normally, you know, when it's really away from the fight, we we don't do too much with strikes. But when it's getting close, every every time I train with small gloves, always, okay. because nice. it's very important to get it used. It's, yep. it's so different, you know, to choke. Uh, these days I was training with no gloves with the guys. And, man, this is almost like cheating, you know, when you get to the back, you know. <laughs> to, the submission is so much easier. The, the gloves make, makes so much harder to, you know, sink the hand and right. everything and easier to the guy to grab your hand so i always train with small gloves but sometimes with no strikes sometimes with strikes uh, as the the fight is is approaching we, we use more strikes on the ground or even when i say the jiu-jitsu training the grappling is not just on the ground but also stand up uh, like the, the wrestling part, uh, the takedowns, the against the cage, and these kind of things. So normally I do this almost every day, yep. and then I do more, you know, striking a little bit more, more pure striking, but always with some at least the takedown entrance. Even if I don't go all the way down, we don't train just boxing for boxing. Always with some clinches and some shoots to the leg. Even if you just shoot and stop uh, right. twice or three times a week. Then I do weights two times a week. Uh, I used to run, but the last year I didn't run. But I used to run when I was doing after weights like twice a week too. You doing elliptical now, like uh, elliptical cardio or bike? Instead, uh, no. I, you know I, what I do is when it's getting closer to the fight, we do a kind of circuit training, but inside the the gym. You know, okay. so let's say there's two types of circuit training. One that is more like towards grappling, so it's more like we we do like like. One minute, the guy on top of you trying to hit you with big gloves and you, you with small gloves trying to sweep. And then one minute in the bag, you know, striking the bag. Then you come back and do mitts or pads. And then you go, you know, you shoot the guy against the wall and try to nice. arrest or you try to take him down. So yep. You keep going for five minutes, then one minute rest, five minutes, you know, punching the bag on the ground, all this kind of thing. And then when the fight is coming closer, what I what we do, what we we add to that in other day of the week is the the hardest training of the the week is something close to that, but more towards sparring, not not just uh, with small gloves, but with big gloves. So we we mix. We do like let's say one minute sparring with somebody like a tough Thai boxer with a good takedown defense, a minute and a half let's say, and then I go to the meets. My my boxing coach is already in the on the octagon or on the space that we're training. And then you know somebody comes on top of me and, and start to strike with big gloves really hard and I need to sweep or stand up. Then next, 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 uh, I go against the wall trying to take somebody down. And then maybe in the, during the between the rounds, the one minute between the rounds, we change the big gloves for the small gloves. And then the next round is more like a little bit more like grappling and meets. And then we change again, you know, maybe shin pads, no shin pads, then come back to the sparring and takedowns and, and this kind of thing. So that's very hard because there is always like three guys plus the 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 guy who yeah. is the boxing coach so that's the the worst yeah. and, and of course <laughs> the sparring training you know that i do besides this one i do one more time of sparring like regular sparring like three rounds or five rounds depends you warm up you do three rounds and then maybe you do some meets after that but it's mainly you know the the three rounds or five rounds of sparring with you know different guys
At AK, we do like the, the airdyne routine, very similar. It's like a cardio circuit, but sports specific, like what you said, where we do a 30 minutes straight and then exactly. it's like on the bike and then off the bike. And then we're doing pad work. We're doing grappling. We're doing drills, getting up from the bottom, defending the takedown, doing takedowns. This is this is the best training, I think, you know, because it's sports specific to what you actually do when you fight. And then you're getting exhausted. You're having to, to dig, dig deep or whatever. All right, fellas, you want to help support the podcast? I know you do. All this content, all these interviews with these fantastic guests that we're putting out for you, well, now you can. And you can save 20% off and get free shipping by getting the best below-the-waist men's grooming products on the market. I'm talking about Manscaped. All you got to do is go to manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com, enter code QUICK at checkout, 20% off, and free shipping. Quick is my nickname. It is not how you use the product. Uh, don't be silly, fellas. Come on. Uh, but Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and now they have the new Lawnmower 4.0, which is next level, the best trimmer on the market ever made. What makes it different? It has skin-safe replacement ceramic blades, controllable LED lights, wireless charging dock, and a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology, and it's even waterproof. They also have a full line of hygiene and grooming products like the Shears 2.0 Luxury Nail Kit, Crop Mops, Preserver, Reviver, and a lot more. Manscaped has everything you need to appeal to your lady friend, but don't thank me. Think yourself. By going to manscaped.com, entering code QUICK, get 20% off, get free shipping. It's a win-win for you. It's a win-win for us, and you're supporting the podcast. Um, I want to ask you a two-part question here. Um, you know, you fought for the championship at welterweight and middleweight. <clears throat> You've had a successful career. Mm -hmm. You beat unbelievable uh, opponents. Uh, I can go on and on and on. Brown, Condit, Fitch, Sonnen, Masvidal, Askren. I mean, you, a who's uh -huh. who. Um, amazing uh, wins you've had. Um, what do you first first part? What do you attribute some of the fights that didn't go your way? What do you attribute that to? Um, like, 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 what were some of the things that came in the way of, of, of preventing you from getting some of the victories that you may have thought you could have gotten otherwise? And then number two, what advice would mm -hmm. you give to somebody coming up to have a successful career, um, either using your experience or, or your, uh, you know, the, the way you've had to learn yourself to help them not make those same mistakes or to keep on the right track so that they can have a successful career? Mm -hmm. That that's a pretty tough question, you know, because <laughs> sorry. Every time you fight, yeah, no, but because every time you fight, you realize when when you when you don't go your way, or even when you win, you realize the mistakes that you did. And of course, when you lose, you know, it's much more latent. You know, you understand much more the mistakes, and you realize, let's say. Uh, it's it's pretty clear like even fights that are win uh why why i wasn't able to do something or why i was able to do something let let me pick up a, a, a an example so with woodley i was shooting to the legs all the time he was very sleeper but i was shooting to the legs and you know after the fight i was thinking why i didn't you know go more to the upper body not just to the legs and change a little bit and switch and of course i didn't train that for that fight uh, so i was not conditioning you cannot just think and do you know you need to be conditioned to that during the fight so when i came back i started to set up some trains that i was also going to the upper body clinch and some takedowns from there to get it better on that if i get into this situation again uh, another mistake that I make when I when I fought, for instance, Kobe, I realized that I got him with big shot. Instead of maybe you know be more patient and and walk well and try to punch him again or try to take him down, which would be the best, I just you know saw the knockout and and I'm not strike specialist, so I was too like rushing in the knockout. So right. I start to punch like crazy and I got tired. And and he was able to survive, and so I, I pretty I was anxious. So I, when I come back, I realized that I say, okay, let's correct this mistake. Why I did this? Why I did that? And you know, if you go, let's say a fight that okay, when I fought, you know, the fight that I lost to Durinho, you know, to Burns, uh, I was doing well. I put him down. 
and I, I felt that I was not hard to put him down. He is good jiu-jitsu, so he found a way to escape. I realized how he escaped. I said, okay, next time, you know, I'm, I'm going to adjust. So I need a couple of times to adjust on the ground. I'm, I'm quick on that. You know? So I said, oh, next time he's not going to escape anymore because I will, I will adjust. But then when I said that, I kind of relaxed a little bit. Maybe it was also even the first event with no public, no audience. So I relaxed a little bit. I said, okay, this fight is, go, is going my way. I read know the way that I should go, you know. And, and then I kind of jab, I relax in my jab, and he got with the, the, the hook over my jab. Right. And then when I came back, I realized that I was going, I was getting this. I didn't realize before, but I realized after that I was getting this hook over my jab, you know, many times. So I started to work on that, to don't get this. Uh, this 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 hook over the jab. So uh, sometimes you see the mistakes in the training and you don't give attention. Right. Twice it happens to me. I remember uh, when I when I, I used to, in the early in my career career I used to kick a lot uh, yeah. and and. One time I was kicking and kicking a guy in the training and I ran into him and I never lost a fight, you know, until that time I was 11 and 0 in the UFC and I was sparring with a good striker here in Brazil. I ran into him to kick and he punched me at the same time. Yeah. I kind of fly. Yeah. Exactly the, the, exactly the thing that happens when I fought Nate Marquardt, you know. I run into him and he punched at the same time. So I made this mistake in training. If I was more you know, experienced, I would say, man, I cannot do that. That's pretty dangerous. But I didn't realize that. And then a few years later, I was fighting uh, Mark Munoz. And I knew he, he had something that when you start to go to his back, he hold your, your leg and kind of pull you into a cross fix and take you down from there. You think you're going to get a cross fix. And then... He takes you down. He takes you down. And, you know, I trained a little bit, just maybe one day, you know, against that. I said, oh, he's not going to be able to do that. You know, I do. And that happens in the fight. So I think as you're getting more experience, you're going to, you, you start to understand. Uh, you see the mistakes during the training. You pay more attention to your opponent. And you, you give, you know, the proper attention, the, the things that you should do. But I, you ask me which which mistakes I think I think is more let me say let me just interrupt you for just yeah. one second so I, I don't think I set it up correctly how I how I meant it um <clears throat> I didn't mean to t so much go into to the losses that you've had but you've had so many fights and mm -hmm. and you've won so many big fights mm -hmm. and then you've had a couple loss you know, a couple losses along the way like we all have um there's things to attribute mm -hmm. to that and and so what I was trying to do was trying to figure out um what people don't understand that, that watch fighters like ourselves get out there and fight is there's a lot of things that go into play when you go out there and fight you know there's a lot of things that happen in training camp there's yes. a lot of injuries there's a lot of sickness there's yes. relationship problems there's mm -hmm. financial stress there's there's a whole lot of different things you got to deal with that you can never admit to after the fight especially if you lose because then you're looked upon as making excuses and you have to just take exactly. it and, and you have to just move on so i guess uh, before you, we yes. get into the second uh, part of the question w the advice for people coming up how have you dealt with some of those issues um like as far as like you know the day you've had more fights than me and and, and many other people so you I'm sure you fought sick. I'm sure you fought. I'm sure you've won many fights when you were For sick sure. and injured yes, and anytime. not feeling good, not feeling yeah. 100%. What is your advice to kind of keep people, as far as the things that they can control, um, you know, in line uh -huh. so that they can make the most of their careers and, and try to go in there as positive as, as possible and try to get that win? See, yes. So, yeah, you, you're right. For I can give, you know, many examples that I remember and many, you know, fights that I had staff. Uh, I can imagine, yeah. A few weeks before, yeah, fights that I, like when I fought Woodley, that I got four weeks to prepare, and my my finger, I couldn't, you know, close my finger to punch because, you know, I hurt my finger a uh, month and a half before the fight. I was not expecting to fight, so I, when I got the call for weeks, I said, man, I cannot close my hands still, so I couldn't punch, and also my ear was blow, so I couldn't shoot well, so every, you know, everything... Uh, that happens, but when you talk, some things that you you can control, I think is you really need to be 
have attention on the on the basic things to don't let like let's say when I fought Chris Weidman, I was a little bit with flu, you know, the week of the fight. So after that fight, uh, I went to a allergist in Brazil because I realized I always had allergy, you know, for something for uh, dust and, and when the, the the temperature changed. So I said, man, that's in my control. I go to allergist and what you know what she can help me and she helped me you know she she gave me some stuff that helped me and i think you really especially uh, we like a formula one car so we need to really pay attention yeah. to our body it's something that you know took too much time for me to understand that i need to pay attention when I'm tired, when I'm good, why, and try to understand the whys. And I always, you know, just, I was just going and training hard, training hard. But you need to, to try to listen to your body and understand why, why, you, why you're tired or why you're feeling so well, what, what you did to, to try to repeat, you know, the things that are working. Right. And the really basic things I, I, I realized lately, uh, what I say to, to the kids in, in the, the academy is like, there's three really basic things that everybody can do, everybody can control. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing fancy, it's nothing magical, it's basic. It's like one is rest, so you know how you sleep. And it's not just, ah, oh, you're sleeping well, you're sleeping many hours. It's like, before you sleep, you know, if you uh, watching the cell phone on, on the bed, like, yeah. till like midnight <laughs> you know, with the your your the blue light in your face you're not yeah. gonna sleep well you know yeah. even if you say no i did sleep well if you if you drink a coffee you know like 10 at night even if you say no i can sleep well there's many research that say okay you you're gonna sleep but you, you're not gonna get too many times in the rain you sleep you know the the right die movement sleep so you know you're gonna you're not gonna rest properly and so it's basic you know how what is better before bed you know to read a little bit uh, it's you know strain is not easy everybody want to be look some social media and do some stuff but and sometimes you will do but this cannot be all the time i say you can make mistakes maybe you know like us you know we like athletes in the event in the world you can make mistakes maybe 10 15 percent till 20 percent of the time but not you know 100 percent of the time so you cannot be every night yeah. you know before you sleep on the blue light and 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 you know or or getting very excited with something you need to calm down and, and taking care as a train right. of this uh, the other thing is of course uh, the the food you know what you eat so the same the same thing you're not going to eat well all the time but at least 8% 8% of the time if you eat well and 20% you don't eat so well i think it's fine yeah. uh, but you need to really be conscious about that and i like to study you know nutrition i think it, you know to the people who has doubts i think it's pretty basic you try to eat real food you know try to eat meat eggs uh, uh, vegetables and uh, and try to most of the time of course not all, all the time because it's impossible to avoid the processed food these kind of things I think this is is a good uh, start uh, and the third thing is hydration is something that you know I, I realize when you don't take care too much especially a lot in Brazil, it's very, very warm, and, and normally the gyms here, the academies, don't have air conditioning, the, the fight gyms. I think pretty much like in Thailand. And so you need to be aware because sometimes you finish the train, you drink a lot of water, and then you feel really full. And then, okay, now I go eat, there goes something, and then half an hour late, you're really thirsty because yeah. you cannot drink all the water that we need in, in like in one minute. So, you know. I like when it's pretty hot here, I drink the water that I need after training and then I, I fill a bottle and go with me and put in the car if I go eat somewhere and keep drinking because I think it's something that if you, if you don't take care can mess with your performance. So 
all these things that to be in a good performance, I think it's it's good and it's good to pay attention. And like I said, uh, I think you're gonna you're gonna make you know mistakes, and it's normal. Uh, you're not gonna be a robot to do everything right all the time. But let's say that 80% of the time you're gonna be. The, the or or even more when you're getting close to the fight, you need to do things right in order to be a, a, a good athlete. Yeah, let me let me ask you if you'd agree with this. So for my career specifically, um, you know, I, I, I didn't come in with the talent that you had. You know, I didn't I didn't come in with this 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 BJJ pedigree or some kind of extraordinary uh, abilities or anything. Mm -hmm. And when I when I fought, I fought very focused, and I either. I either got killed or I killed, you know, and it's like, uh, yeah, I was choked out by Paulo Tiago. I was knocked out by Matt Brown. I was held down by Yushin Okami. I was mm -hmm. held down by Alex Garcia, you know, because I'm not a, a level of BJJ as you are. Um, but I felt focused when I mm -hmm. fought. And, and the big thing I attribute that to is uh, not focusing on the negative things that are in your life when you get out there. Um, because a lot of things, like when I'm training fighters at the gym that I have here in Thailand or, or, or my trainers are training fighters, it seems like like what you were saying with the phone and the bed, they get so caught up in, in worrying about things that can go wrong and worrying about this and worrying about maybe an injury, worrying about being sick, worrying about their... If you can just stay mentally focused on the win and the fight, that's what's kind of helped me win fights that I definitely shouldn't have won, <laughs> for sure. Like I, I attribute only uh, my focus and only my 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 kind of fortitude to try to win the fight. It, it, the only reason I even won those fights. So I think, would you agree that that's yeah. kind of a, a good thing too, as well, for for these guys coming up to just not fo just take those things out of your mind. That's the negative stuff that, that you're coming into because we all we all come with negative stuff. And for people at home that don't understand, you we we always say this as fighters. You very very rarely go into a fight even at ninety percent. You know, it's like it, you're usually like in your 70s, 80 percent range if you're lucky, you know, 90 yeah. percent if you're really lucky. Um, you have to deal with a lot of stuff. And it's always been better for me to close that stuff out of my head. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, it was something that I was going to say, but I I I I miss it in the middle of the, the conversation. But you ask me first, uh, what are you attributes uh, the fights? Uh, that it didn't go your way maybe I said uh -huh. you know it's all mental it's all mental for sure you know it's more I I spoke about the the technical mistakes right but I think you know the the mental mistakes are bigger so right. that's that's the hardest part of the game because sometimes you think you're doing and the mental is not just during the fight but during the fighting the camp during your life during your everyday life it's not when you say mental it's not just you know what you show in the day of the fight but every everything that you do right. before so like you said if you if you feeding your mind with you know uh, uh, trash all the time or or anxiety uh, anxiety or, or discussion Stress, yeah. or uh, no, either you know, in, in with somebody or in the social media, for sure that's gonna, not gonna play well, because your mind is your biggest enemy if you Absolutely. don't know how to deal with that. And sometimes you think you're doing well, you think you're training hard, but it's just in front of you that you're making some mistakes mentally, that you know you're gonna pay the price later and that's that's the most tricky thing because uh when you talk about technique you can realize oh i got this punch and if you if you experience you can say okay i'm gonna train to don't get that i'm gonna ask a partner to do okay keep doing this you know hook over my jab because i want to train for that you do specific for that but how you do that mentally that's the 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 challenge it's it's much more subtle yeah, and I got to ask you this just because you've had a full career where you've never been submitted. Um, other than mm -hmm. me, I've been, sub been submitted twice. Um, I went out on my shield mm -hmm. against Paulo Tiago. I, I, I knew I was in a tough choke, and I knew I was going to get submitted, but I, I, just, I just have that fight mentality to fight till the end, and I, and I never was going to tap mm -hmm. from a choke. It's just, it's just my mentality because I know the worst thing that can happen is you mm -hmm. can pass out. So I passed out, and, and yes. Bruce Buffer got to tell me what happened, which was not the best, uh, not the best uh, thing that happens when you're in a UFC fight. Um, but I did tap out in an, in an exhibition fight against Stefan Bonner on Ultimate Fighter Season 1. Now, the reason I tapped out was he put me in an arm bar, and it was a triangle choke arm mm -hmm. bar, and it would have been fine, but my arm popped. And on Ultimate Fighter Season 1, we had one fight guaranteed in the UFC, and it was two months later. 
and that was in my head mm -hmm. that if my arm got broke and I didn't of miss course. this fight, I might miss my UFC contract and never be in the UFC again. So when that arm popped of the course. first time, I, I made that decision to tap. Um, what I want to ask you mm -hmm. is because you've never tapped, or are you just the kind of guy that wouldn't tap, or have you just not been in a mm -hmm. position where if you are breaking an arm, breaking a leg that could cost you several months of rehabilitation and being out, would you have tapped? Or are you just like- Of course, yeah. So, so you're just like a not choke, not a choke tap guy. Yeah, I think there's two, two different things. In training, I tap all the time. Mm. Because, you know, like you said, I never pop my arm in training. I pop my arm once uh, when I was a teenager playing with a friend in his house. He got me an arm bar. You know, my friend who is Taekwondo World Champion, he was doing some ground too. Uh, and we are playing. Wait, did Damian Maya just say that he got me. tapped out by a Taekwondo guy? Wait, wait a minute, Harry. <laughs> Yeah, but, but I didn't. I, I was a white belt too. I'm but, kidding, but, I'm kidding. But he, but he got me in an armbar, and I didn't know, you know, the feeling before the pop. Yeah. And that was the only time. So after that, I never got popped, and I never, I never felt, I never pass out in training. I always tap. I just pass out once in my life in a championship. Because, like you said, you know, it's just pass out and you wake yeah. up and that's it. Once, you know, a guy who I fought, he's, a, you know, multiple times world champion, ADC champion. And and this guy, um, he lives in the U.S. now. He's a, a dear friend. And, and I, I won against him twice in, in, the, in a Pan-American championship in the semifinal and in a semifinal of Brazilian championship. And then we went to fight. Uh, in the absolute semi-final and then the, the weight division he got me in a choke and I, I tried to resist and I passed out but I didn't realize that I was going to pass out I tried to hold and try to you know just to muscle out. in yeah, of course. and in a fight of course you know I think that the most important thing about uh, a submission is you gotta to be you know ahead so if you are ahead of your opponent right Right, so uh, it's much the best defenses don't get him to really adjust. Yeah. The, after adjust, it will be hard. So yeah. I never passed to this situation in MMA and introduced just three times in my all my comp competitive career that I got in this situation. One that I passed out and twice that I, I taught tap one in the as a brown belt and two as a black belt. Um, and I always. You know, don't let the guy just nothing. When he's going to my arm, I realize I, I never relax. I never say, okay, let me. I can let him go a little bit more, and then so that's the 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 best defense is to how to just avoid go ahead like anticipation, yeah. anticipation. And of course, you know, I got a couple times in my career. I got a like a, I remember once. I got a footlock that I didn't tap and, and pop it a little bit, yeah. but it was not really bad, but it was something that in training I would tap, but I was able to resist because, you know, it was a, you know, a, maybe a semi-final of a Brazilian championship, something like that. So I resist a little bit more. Uh, I think in, in the UFC and in, like, I, I, in fights, I would resist a little bit more, try to hold a little bit more, even with the danger of get hurt. Yeah. But in a training, never. Never, yeah, never. Sometimes the guy don't even stretch my arm, you know, and I'm right tapping. Or the guy, there's a guy, a very good guy. Actually, he's going to fight in contender. He was getting so good in, in the heel hook, you know, training a lot of heel hook. And I was training, it was winter in Brazil like a couple months ago. I was training with uh, that that pants, you know, the, the tight pants here. Yeah. Not not shorts, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the... But you can get a grip on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really cold, so he was much, you know, able to get my foot, and it was yeah. very hard to pull. Yeah. So I tried to defend. He got me, you know, in a round, like, a couple times on that. And, man, as soon as I realized, I never going to be spinning like crazy for, you know, minutes you know, spinning and, and with the wrist to get hurt, my, my ankle and my knee just because, you know, of my ego. That's no problem. Jiu-Jitsu is... For me, it's just like, like, you know, it's a cliche, but like everybody says, it's a chess. So, if he got the checkmate, you know, you, it's, it's, there is no, you, you can resist and try to escape a little bit because you know it's part of the the escape. You resist a little bit and find space to, to escape. But 
it's not worth to to get hurt and be like a month without training properly. Yeah, and, and for all of our, our viewers watching right now, do what Damien says. I'll give you the advice uh, what not to do. Don't be a stubborn dumbass when it comes to training because I've had five elbow surgeries, three knee surgeries, and a shoulder surgery, and every single one of those came from training <laughs> because I didn't want to tap, yeah. and I'm an idiot. And I, I went back and forth and just grinded the bones in my, my elbow until I had so many floating oh. floaters in my elbow, I couldn't even move it. So listen yes. to Damien here. He's... he's don't be stubborn. Tap, tap in training, and 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 don't don't get your ego uh, inflated, and 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 use your ego there. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick. He's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jiu-jitsu, they have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. I'm telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. Aside from yourself being one of the top guys, who are some of the top BJJ guys in the sport right now, do you think? For, you know, it's hard for me to say the top ones because BJJ for MMA is different than BJJ. So there's great fighters. BJJ for MMA, like as far as UFC and fighting? For MMA, I, I think for me it's Charles now. Charles, the, the current champion of the lightweight. I think he he's great, you know. He's great. He's very, his style is different than mine. I'm more grinding and controlling, getting the position, and making the guy give me the position. And he's more flashy in a good way. He's yeah. more like he pull us submissions from somewhere, you know. He he, it's my jiu-jitsu is very based on fundamentals, you know. That's why, you know, I never got submitted. I think it's very based on defense, on positioning, and then looking for the submission. It's pretty much like step by step. And for him, it's more like, you know, out of nowhere, he got some calf lock. He got yeah. some, you know, some crazy submission. But I think he's great. He has a great feeling. I know him since he was blue belt fighting here. He's from my city. Oh, wow. So fighting here in Sao Paulo. Yeah. He was already, everybody was talking about him. He's pretty tough. And plus, his Muay Thai now is, 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 is yeah. great. So, you know, it's tough. Imagine if you're going to fight a guy like that. He's tall for the weight. And then you're going to fight a guy like that. Say, okay, you're going to take him down. But he has a good guard, very good guard. So, I'm going to stand up. And, man, he's doing great in, in the Thai boxing training. He's pretty focused. And, and he's very experienced, too. He's been in the UFC for, I think, 11 years. So... It's he's a pretty tough tough guy to win. I think you know. He's got a fight coming up, possibly with uh, Poirier coming up in December, possibly. It's being in, in the works. What, what do you think about how that fight's mm -hmm. going to go? You think Poirier can can beat him, or do you think uh, it's too much? Olivier is too much. No, uh, Poirier is, is really, really, really good, really tough, and and I think of course you know he can win, but I think Charles is is the favorite for for this fight. But I'm not a a good analyst, you know. I'm not a, a I don't I'm not a guy who watch every fight and you know and and I I love to train, I love to teach, but I'm not a guy. Now man, I've been watching UFC and MMA for so many years. The first time I watched MMA fight in Brazil was 1992, even wow. before UFC. You know, mm. I watched it live in the Valley my Tudos city, and stuff. You know, yeah, Valley to the fight. And then, you know, since the first UFC, we got the VHS in Brazil in yep. 1994. <laughs> I've been watching so many in Pride and all these other events. So, you know, nowadays I'm not a guy who watch that much much the, the fights. But i always interested in see the results, see how the fights, you know, end up. I always, you know, when I wake up Sunday, I go and see in the internet how the fight was, you know, who win, who lost, how they win. 
and how it was like this Sunday I you know the the fire I, I woke up on Sunday and and I I start to look what happens and so I knew the results everything and how it turns and what do you think about Habib as far as the ground goes because I had Hinzo on the show Hinzo Gracie and uh he, he said a comment that he said, it was, I, I might be uh, a little off on this, but he basically said that, that he didn't see BJJ beating Habib or, or being able to beat Habib with his style. What, what do you think about Habib's groundwork before he retired, obviously, and, and, and how that compared? Do you think there was anybody that could have used BJJ against him to beat him, or do you think that he was just too dominant with his positioning and ground and pound? Okay, who said that? Hinzo, Hinzo said he couldn't imagine someone uh, beating him with BJJ. Beating Khabib at BJJ. Yeah. Yeah. In, in MMA, you mean? Yeah, in MMA, in MMA, in MMA. Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. Man, Khabib for me is the best of all time. Uh, he's great. And and I remember something that is stuck in my head. Really, uh, uh, this really stuck in my head when I was fighting. I think it was my first fight in, as a welterweight. When I dropped to welterweight, I mm -hmm. fought Don Hill King in Las Vegas. And one of my coaches, Leonardo Vieira, who also was one of my professors since I was blue belt, and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal, you know, jiu-jitsu guy. He's amazing, amazing, amazing. I saw him fight. He fought Mark Kerry in the ADCC. He's like 170, you know, no 170, no 155, and he fought Mark Kerry in the absolute division. It was great to watch, you know, how Mark Kerry couldn't do much with him. He ended up winning, but without, I think, many, making points or something. And 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 so Leo was with me, and we are training at I think it was MGM or or Mandalay Bay. I don't remember. We, during the week, we had a, a, our room to train, right. and then Khabib was in the same room. And then Leo spoke to him because Leo's brother Leandro Vieira trains the AKA guy training. You know, Cormier. Yep. Uh, Rock Road, all these guys, and Khabib too. Leo Khabib Vier. used to go there. So, uh, Leandro knows, Ka Ka and Leo, you know, the, the brothers, they know Khabib, mm -hmm. and Leo told me, man, this kid is great. He will be champion one day. And to Leozin, you know, my, 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 my coach to say that is because he really, he really, he's very good on see those stuff and he's phenomenal himself. And I said, did, it, did you train with him? He said, yeah, I trained with him. He's great. I said, but a great wrestler. He said, no, 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 not just great wrestler. He's great in jujitsu too. Yeah. And I said, man, if Leo is saying that yeah. it's because this kid is really good. And that, that's, you know, I think in 2012, I think that's, it's like 2012 yeah so that almost you know like yeah nine years ago so Leo was saying he was great in wrestling and jiu-jitsu and grappling in general that time like nine years ago and from there to now he just evolved so i think you know it's it's pretty hard of course you know jiu-jitsu you always can find a submission you always right. can can find a mistake. You don't know the game sometimes match, sometimes doesn't match. But he, he's a great jiu-jitsu fighter. He's more like a controlling guy. If I see him as a jiu-jitsu fighter, I see him, uh, I, I saw, you know, when I see him, I see him more like a great jiu-jitsu, more based in control. Uh, he doesn't look too much for submissions. He goes more for control. But of course, if he, he finds something, he will go to the submissions. He's more like conservative, because of course his way is wrestling is not too much submission. His his style, his but of course he he got good submissions, and as every wrestler they can adapt it to jiu-jitsu pretty well. And he he did amazing because you know he comes from a part of Russia and Dagestan who also think they have good sambo, so he probably has this familiarity with with submissions since he was younger, not just pure wrestling uh, so I never trained with him I don't know you know how is the level but I, I what I heard about him is that he's great you know in 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 jiu-jitsu too and lastly just because you fought so much in this division um, and and all the way to the top do you think Kobe has a chance to beat Usman or do you think Usman is the is the new unstoppable welterweight that's gonna be uh, hard, hard to be beaten no, I think he can. I think 
You know, I mean, I feel the same Usman, way, yeah. he is, he's great. Yeah, he's, he's man, Very Usman good. is pretty, pretty tough, and and he's technical. You know, he's very really technical. He's very uh, complete. So he's a guy who is a good striker. He changes stances when he's fighting. He has a beautiful stand-up style. He has a good distance control with people don't understand well. You know, how oh, how he got you know burns with so many jabs because he's. It's not easy, you know, to hurt somebody with the jab. You you gotta have a very good distance control, and he managed distance pretty well. He he's able to. His mindset is pretty good. Sometimes he starts not doing so well, and he keep going, keep going, recover and, and get over. So that's important because you see he has a champion mindset too. Yeah. He, he's not the guy that you know if he got pressure. Uh, he he will you know give up. He he doesn't give up. He's a great wrestler. He's he's strong for for the the welterweight. He's I think he has like a kind of perfect body to the welterweight. He's mm. not really tall, but he's not short. He's very strong. You know he was if he was really tall, he wouldn't be so strong. If he was really short, he would be really strong, but not with a good reach. So he's kind of you know perfect for the water eight so i think it's pretty hard but kobe is a guy who also has this mindset to keep going going and going going he doesn't give up he has a volume he doesn't hit so hard like usman but he has a volume volume yeah. of of he strikes can't. that doesn't stop and plus of course he has a great wrestling wrestling i think he was even like as a college wrestling probably you know better than than usman uh, it doesn't mean in MMA he's a better wrestler than Usman because it's all you know we need to adapt for that. But he's a great wrestler during MMA, so I think he's one of the guys who can treat Usman's uh, uh, reigning uh, how how we call the the Usman ch- title. But Usman is the favorite. But Kobe, yeah, Kobe is one guy who can who can treat this title. I think one of the only ones. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like I feel like I see, I feel like I can see holes in Usman's game when I watch him fight sometimes. But he always wins. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like it's like it doesn't matter. You know, he just always gets it done, and he's so dominant, and he's beating everyone. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kobe can get it done because I think if anybody can, Kobe can do it. So I have to agree with you on that. Yeah. And plus, you know, you never know how we're going to wake up the day of the right, fight. You exactly. never know, like you said, which injuries you're going to carry yeah. to the fight. Mindset. You never know which mindset you're going to carry if people, if things are going bad in your life. So, you know, sometimes somebody win. In 10 fights, maybe, you know, we would win nine. But that day, the guy, you know, uh, that happens sometimes. And just real quick, you beat Yushin Okami in Abu Dhabi, correct? When you w- were on your way to the championship? Yes. Since I had, that's yes. my most. Bit- yes. That's what? one of my most bitter fights because I fought Yushin Okami in my hometown and I gave up my fight with Anderson Silva to fight Yushin because I beat David Loazzo, which made me number one contender. And then I, I took the Yushin fight because it was in my hometown and to hold me over to fight uh, uh-huh. Anderson because Anderson was fighting Travis Luter. Um, and I got beat. Uh-huh. I almost knocked him out in round two, but he took me down in round one. He won round one. And then in round three, he took me down again. Is it me or is he just abnormally strong for his size? <laughs> like, is he, is he like a freaky yes. strong guy or what? Because like, I couldn't believe he could hold me down like he did. And yes. like, I, 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 I was just stuck. He no, he's pretty strong. He's pretty pretty strong. And actually, when I fought him in ADCC, ADCC was a a weird weight division because it's every ten kilos. Oh wow, 10 kilos is like <laughs> twenty five pounds, something like that. So yeah, twenty two twenty two pounds. Jesus, twenty two pounds. So it's every twenty two pounds. So yeah, I I I was too heavy to go to welterweight that yeah. time and. Too light to 88 kilos, which oh, is wow. the next one, which is like 190, something 195, something like that. Uh, so I go in this way, division T195 is the one that I won. And so Okami probably dropped away to that. I didn't need to drop away. I was <laughs> like 186, something like that, 18, around 186, 187. And he was probably, you know, 
200 and something and yeah. 205 and drop weight. So he was much stronger. And he is strong. He came to training at my my academy a few years ago, and he is pretty strong. I think yeah. he, he's, he, especially when he, he's, you know, with like, as a middleweight, he's, he's really strong. Yeah, I was a light middleweight, and he was like a 205 pounder coming in there. It was gig- he was gigantic. It was crazy. Exactly. But um, anyway, so, exactly, so I, yeah. I appreciate your time. And is there anything that you want to talk about that you're working on right now that, that we can be uh, on the lookout for? I know you're working on a book and you're working on your instructionals. Anything that you want to talk about real fast yes. before we go? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I, I'm doing working a book, um, a book about, you know, some stuff that happens in my career, how I overcome. It's more like a, cool. a self-improvement book. It's nice. not like a biography. Okay. It's more like a, so uh, that's something that interesting me. Also, I'm helping some guys who wrote about the history of martial arts in Brazil, which mixed with history of martial arts in U.S., in Europe, and, you know, coming to Japan and mix with the Western, you know, catch wrestling and all this stuff and moving Brazil to U.S. and to Europe. It's very interesting. These three volumes. And I will help them to translate to English to get abroad because they 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 want to do it in English, but they have just in Portuguese. So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. And so that's a great thing. And, and, and of course, I'm doing the... the the instructional, the BJJ Fanatics instructionals. I just record the back control, and I will record now the the submission from the back and transition to the back to they call the the Maya backpack system. And and I think you know it's something that I really enjoy to do. I'm I'm not just writing down the stuff and and showing, but what I did is. I write down everything that I want to teach, all the details that I re- uh, that I remember that I like to teach. But I, I'm teaching, you know, for I was teaching for a month just that, just back on drawing to the students at the academy, just to re- make sure I remind all the details that I want to say. Because sometimes you do, but you don't really pay attention right. to the details that you're doing. Yeah. You take for granted. But what I'm doing. Now it's just teaching back, 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 back attacks, back submissions, back control to really uh, uh, give the best that I can to, to the, the audience. So I think it's, it's a great instructional. I, I try to do a great job. And, and I think it's, it's really, you know, came like, it, you know, I, I like it. I think this first one came with a little bit of echo, you know, in the sound. So... You know, I, I, the next one I want to be better, but you know the content is is great. I, I did not just the techniques, but I put some uh, bullet points, you know, to make easier to the people to to remind the stuff. Nice. I put some diagrams, you know, and just explaining, you know, from which when you do to control the back, what the guy is gonna do to try to escape, how you're gonna avoid that, you know, go like this back and forth and. Uh, and it's pretty fundamental, but with a lot of great details. Awesome. We'll, get, we'll send me any information that we can put in the description, and we'll put that down there for you so everybody can uh, go follow your, your social well, you Obviously, we'll much. put your social media, your website, and everything, but anything else, just send me, and, and we'll link it up below. Um, it's been an honor to talk to you. I, I've always wanted to, to talk to you and, and, uh, and have you on my show, and uh, you're a legend of the sport. Thank you for taking so much time out and, and, and sharing so much conversation with me. This has been an awesome experience for me, so thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. It was great. And sorry, we've been talking about this conversation for a long time, but, you know, uh, we're we in, a, in a different time changing and, and I was busy with other stuff, no but problem. finally we, we were able to talk and, and it was great. You know, I had a friend going there, Bruno Murata, who was training in the AKA, you know, a Brazilian friend here who was training with you there in Thailand and and... You know, he says great things about Thailand. One day I go there to visit you. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. Just let me know. Hit me up and, and I'll take care of everything for you. The, how is Thailand? You know, when you moved there? Uh, I moved here 10 years ago. 10 years. Oh, my God. 10 years. Yeah. They say it's great. It's beautiful. You live in Bangkok or no? Uh, Phuket. I live in an island in Phuket. I have a, the AK Thailand's uh, situated in the jungle right uh, on the side of a mountain here in Phuket, Thailand. Yep. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I live, you know, I live 25 minutes away from Sao Paulo, but look, 
I just built a lake. Oh wow, here. nice! I heard some like chirping in the background. It, some like exotic animals you got. Yeah, or something. yeah. Uh, there's a monkey here. Was just here. Ah, <laughs> oh, look! You got a monkey? Can you see? Yeah. Oh wow! Can you see? Yeah. Yeah. Look. That's a monkey. Huh? He's a white. Yeah, it's a wild monkey. I cannot go too close because it can bite me. Well, don't don't get bit on the podcast. <laughs> be good, yeah. <laughs> good for viewing, but not good for you. A good video. <laughs> <laughs> That's your house? Yeah. It's, it's jungle here, too. And it's like 25 minutes away from from Sao Paulo. So it's, it's great. I love, like, you know, jungle and rainforest. Uh, like the beaches here in Brazil, so. But I heard Thailand is 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 amazing too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. Just let me know whenever you want to come visit, and I'll take care of everything. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen with you next. I'm gonna look forward to your 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 uh, instructionals and your book, your motivational book, um, as well as your fight. If you get a big fight to to finish your career, I'm gonna be uh, watching that for sure. So thank you again for being on the show, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Thank you very much. Let's stay in touch.